0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the
1: car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then
0: that wasn't the road trip. It was just a really long drive.
1: Bada ba At participating McDonald's.
2: Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly.
1: The answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police.
2: The Biden administration's 30 plus billion dollar plan to fund the police, what will that mean for the culture?
3: The federal government has proved itself to be incompetent.
2: Then, from hip hop to holding political office, why one time bad boy Shine is now getting into the family business.
0: It has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with the Belizean
4: people. Amazing. a lot, but it's a great thing. John
5: Baptiste! John Baptiste, Lucky Day, Jimmy Allen. I'm Kennedy Rue, and we're with all the Grammy Groundbreakers.
1: Music is bringing all of this together. It brought us together.
2: Plus, the black-to-business dilemma and our black dollars staying in the culture. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Naima Abdullahi. We begin with the Biden administration following through on a more than $30 billion deal to fund the police. After the State of the Union speech, many in the black community saw this pledge as a slap in the face. So, in the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement, what does that mean for the community? That's tonight's top story. We the,
1: we the, we the, the answer is not to defund the police is to fund the police.
2: President Joe Biden is making his midterm message clear.
1: Let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable.
2: A $5.8 trillion budget proposal that includes billions to address policing. Fund them with resources and training they need to protect our communities. But the measures are being met with opposition from
6: activists. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives.
7: Some Americans, they do feel safe in their community, and it may not necessarily be because of the police, right? There are other reasons why they feel safe. Some people don't feel safe in their neighborhoods, and sometimes it's because of the police. They're afraid of being harassed by the police, being criminalized for one reason or another.
8: I don't feel safe. You know, ever since my son was killed, it's like, you know, can't sleep. You know, it's like, but who could sleep after something like that? I just feel
2: like I'm in a nightmare and I just want to wake up. Monteria Robinson's 26-year-old son, Jamarion, was shot in 2016 in suburban Atlanta at the hands of police. He had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia.
8: He was shot six times in the palm of his right hand, five times in the palm of his left hand, all down his arms, his torso, his thighs, his groin, his shins, his feet. So you'll hear me always say Jamari had a total of 76
2: bullet holes to his body. In cases like Jamarion Robinson that became part of the defund the police movement, a stance that President Biden has always stood on the opposite side of.
1: I don't support defunding the police. I support conditioning federal aid to police based on whether or not they meet certain basic standards of decency and honorableness.
4: What made the Black Lives Matter movement so different is because you did see the diversity of this country in that movement. You saw people of all backgrounds. There are people that are gonna say, yes, get rid of the entire police force because they've been extreme victims of police brutality. But there are also gonna be people that say, what? I just want good cops.
7: What a lot of our leaders, right, our congressmen understand about Violence and crime and things like that are things that they have learned from paper and not from experience.
4: Candidate Biden told us that Black Lives Matter. He told us that he was going to work in the best interest of Black Americans, and he has it.
1: Proven strategies like community violence interruption, trusted messengers, breaking the cycle of violence and trauma. Giving young people some hope.
7: I don't think he just don't care about black people at all, um, but I do think that it is hard to advocate for a community who's not active in the political process the way we should be. My question for the president is: um, At what point do we put the politics aside
4: and actually address the issues? And that big issue right now is our voting rights and its
7: accountability for police officers.
2: And as midterms approach, the black vote is more important than ever.
7: We stand wherever we gonna be at when it's time to vote. That That's where we stand.
2: And here to help us cut through the noise and make sense of it all, we have attorney and former elected sheriff, Kim Kembro, the always outspoken Hawk Newsom, and Keisha King, founder of the mass exodus movement. Welcome to the show to you all. Now, Hawk, let's start with you. When it comes to this proposal, does the move feel like the Biden administration is abandoning the people of color that overwhelmingly got him into office?
9: Well, for Joe Biden to abandon us with this new proposal, it would imply that he was originally with us. Joe Biden was never with us. He sold us wolf tickets. And Black people were stupid enough to fall for it, the same political lies, the same uh, shenanigans that, that Democrats have used on us for so long. He actually implemented again successfully. And now we just see ourselves being left, uh, left behind. We, we fought really hard for to defund the police, and Joe Biden was all for it, to get elected. But now he's backtracking, like a lot of other um, politicians. We've sat here and we've watched money go to everyone, to Asian folks. We've watched money go to Ukraine. We've watched money go to everyone else but Black people.
2: Do you think the Biden administration intentionally pivoted away from the social justice movements, Kim?
4: I I do believe that that his language pivoted away from the social justice movements because I think that there are far too many people in the White House who who, uh, shy away from what they deem radical rhetoric. They're not looking to follow true to the promises that he made to people of color in order to get himself elected, uh, but that's what's necessary. Uh, He can't continue to appeal to to order when order was never order for us, was never protective of the people who got him in office. Um, It's time to do something different if you want to achieve different results. That's just logic.
2: Hawk, I see you nodding in agreement with Kem.
9: Yeah, um, I'm just sick and tired of Black people falling under the assumption that American politicians, be they Democrat or Republican, actually care about them. If you look at the history of the border, Obama built the cages. Trump made sure there were people in them. If you look at the history of us, you had uh, this war on drugs, where they criminalized Black people and, you know, Ronald Reagan and the welfare moms. But Joe Biden was out front pushing forward the era of mass incarceration. Like, we have to really take a step back as a people and understand that politicians in America do not care about us, and there has to be a way for us to force them to meet our needs.
2: And with those needs, I want to bring you into this. As a former elected uh, sheriff, how do you think the resources that are in this proposal should be allocated? We're talking about more than $30 billion. Yes,
4: And, and of course, you know, $30 billion seems like a large amount when, when spoken in the aggregate, but once this is divvied out to the 50 states and the multiple territories, um, we're going to see splashes in the water. The one way, in my opinion, that the federal government could be more effective with this money is, particularly as it relates to police accountability, is make that a priority of the DOJ and the FBI. And, of course, I hear them say that, but what we've seen is is that they wait until there's, you know, a social media frenzy around one particular case or another, and then they jump in on that case and wait to see what's going to happen and see where they can, you know, make a a, a big media splash. But what happens on the front end? Uh, You know, it it always amazed me from a law enforcement perspective that... um, you know, bank robberies and kidnappings used to be a priority of the FBI, and that was the only way you could get the FBI to intervene. Then we shifted to counterterrorism, and the only way you could get the FBI to intervene was if it was a counterterrorism-focused case. Uh, what happens uh, when we say that we believe uh, in, in justice for all? You know, why can't we make every fatality caused by an agent of the state a priority of the FBI to investigate, take data? and aggregate that data so that we can actually have a more measured approach?
3: So I have a bit of a disagreement there. So I think the more you give power to the federal government, the less um, connected these things tend to be to the actual people. I think I am a big believer in local communities and the states actually controlling these types of things, because as a a a member of your community you can go directly to your sheriff you can go directly to uh you know the the leaders in your community when you're talking about the doj i mean who do you call who's gonna pick up that phone call these things can be taken to your city council members and i think we we miss it um a lot of times when we neglect the local government because these
9: everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Are the people that are making, they have direct connections with the mayor, with the, the police officers who are making the arrest. They're actually, you know, touching the community. And I think we should, this money should be pushed down to the states, not more of federal government. The federal government, in my opinion, has proved itself to be,
2: Incompetent Government, in my opinion, in general, has been incompetent. Hawk, Keisha, Kim, thank you all for chiming in. It's a 157-page proposal. If it passes, it goes into effect October 1st for the 2023 fiscal year. Let's continue having these conversations and these dialogues. We appreciate all of you for your time in breaking down the dollars in the sense of it all.
1: Lynching was pure terror to enforce the lie that not everyone... Not everyone belongs in America. Not everyone is created equal.
2: That was President Biden signing into law the federal anti-lynching bill. It is the final step for the legislation named for Emmett Till, the black teenager who was lynched in Mississippi back in 1955. And on March 8th, the Senate passed the act which finally designated lynching as a federal hate crime. You'll recall this has been the work of Illinois representative and former Black Panther, Bobby Rush, who has been on a mission to see the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill pass and now finally become law. We'll be right back.
0: You know, you're not a man, mm-hmm. or you're not a person of integrity until you're faced with a decision that you have to make. Right. Right. Where your life is on the line. Yeah, life changes. Where your freedom is on the line. Mm-hmm. That's when you know who you are.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I always... You know, proud of myself and having the utmost integrity, the utmost character, and everything that I ever rapped about, or sung about, mm-hmm. was was my gospel. It was the honest truth, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I, I thank God that I didn't fail myself, mm-hmm. and I didn't fail my community in right. Brooklyn and Belize. You know, when the right. time came for me to decide whether or not I was going to have integrity or honor, so, let's make some noise for that.
2: Belizean politician, Shine Barrow, sharing his testimony on Drink Champs about how his past prepared him for his work in government in his home country. Welcome back. Revolt has followed Shine's journey from Brooklyn to Belize, and with an election victory just last week, his rise continues. We take a look at the man who could become the next head of state. In Belize, Dr. Moses Shine Barrow is now the leader of the United Democratic Party.
0: Thank you to all the delegates that have given me their confidence today.
2: It's the fastest rise to political high office in the country's history. Oh, you took
0: a picture with me in Belize? Yes, in the front of your house. (laughs) And I usually don't do that because I'm on my way to work. He said that. He did. The
2: 43-year-old is no stranger to impressive achievements. once named one of the most promising rap talents of the late 1990s. But the success story of Shine was nearly cut short by controversy.
4: Shine was involved in a New York club shooting, along with rap impresario Sean Combs.
2: The former bad boy artist was convicted on multiple assault charges and sentenced to a decade of jail time. Behind bars, the power in Shine's voice remained.
1: Are you concerned at all of how they may look at these lyrics and say, oh, look at this, this is not remorse?
0: That's unconstitutional, though. They yeah. no, can't do that, you know? yeah. because this is art. I, you look at my album, I have, a, 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 I guess, a disclaimer that says, you know, this is... A, are inspired by my life. Calling
2: out the justice system and recording much of his second album, Godfather Buried Alive, while Serving Time, cemented his status in hip-hop history. Following his 2009 release, Shine was deported back to his home country of Belize, but where many would have felt defeated, he found a way to make a difference.
0: We've always had leaders in the hip-hop community that wanted better, you know, for the societies that consumed our music and so i'm not doing anything different
2: running and winning elected office in mesopotamia in 2020 the district is home to some of the caribbean nation's poorest residents and where shine was born and raised before coming to the united states
0: the power does not belong to you it belongs to the people and you have mistreated the people
2: now among the most powerful in Belize's government, the Honorable Dr. Moses Shine Barrow says he continues to use his voice in service and celebration of his people.
0: If those young men and young women don't like what they see from their leaders, they can aspire to be leaders themselves.
2: And joining us now from Belize, we have the Honorable Dr. Moses Scheinbarrow. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, last week was big. Uh, you were voted as a leader of the United Democratic Party, your political party there in Belize. And you know, with this new position, if the general election were held today, is it right that you could be named the next prime minister of Belize?
0: Yes, that is correct. The leader of the political party that wins the most seats in the House of Representatives becomes the prime minister, which is the equivalent to the United States uh, president. So me being the leader of the United Democratic Party puts me in a position for the next general elections to be the next prime minister of the country once uh, our political party wins 16 seats in the House of Representatives.
2: And as a member of parliament, you've never shied away about calling out things that you believe are unjust. Can you talk to me about how standing up for what you think is right has led you to this prestigious position?
0: Well, I've been standing up for what I believe is right my entire life. I think um, my foray into uh, activism, if you will, uh, transforming uh, society, the planet that we live on, started back in my first album. You know, uh, if you listen to the opening intro, Dear America, where I was talking about all of the ills uh, in society uh, that impacted a young African American or brown American minority. And now I'm in a position where the roles have been reversed, and I am actually the legislator uh, that can listen to the cries of a young shine who is still going through those difficulties and those ills that still plague many societies around the world. I've been uh, in these principled positions my entire life. I always felt that uh, equity was important. I always felt that everyone should have access uh, to the dream of humanity and the dream of whatever society you're a part of. So I am certainly, my entire life, been preparing for where I'm at right now, which is making an impact.
2: And when you mentioned your debut album, I also remember your debut to the House of Representatives when you were speaking on the podium as well. How do you communicate to the people, whether it's on a track or whether it's on a campaign trail? Kind of tell me about the difference between the two.
0: Well, you know, a lot of the the greatest politicians have either been musicians or heavily influenced by music. You know, uh, Jimmy Carter, for instance, he became governor by using all the rock and roll musicians to help him get elected. And then he became president of the United States. You know, music, uh, we have been given the voice to communicate the realities that we all live. And, And really, a musician is just a recorder of the reality that everyone is living. And so, you know, as a musician, I could sing about it and maybe bring awareness to it, but now I can talk about it but actually also do something about it by getting elected and pushing for the legislation to pass in the House And as leader of the United Democratic Party and hopefully the next prime minister of Belize, I will be at the head of the table to push forward the agenda that will benefit Belize like never before.
2: So what would you say your priorities would be as Prime Minister Barrow?
0: Education is always a priority, making sure that uh, the the students have access uh, to financing. Right now, our student loan scheme doesn't allow for people, families, students to borrow uh, the money to go to school and then pay it back after they get their degree. Right now, you have to pay your loan as you're going to school, and that'll be very difficult for someone who doesn't have the qualifications to get a decent job. So something as simple as that will make uh, a transformational difference. You know, access to financing to start your own business. There's so many great ideas that people have, and the only thing that separates them from uh, realizing that imagination is financing. So, you know, the banks have a lot of liquidity down here. We gotta make our people um, in a position to get the access to financing, housing. Uh, People pay $100 a week for a room uh, with no bathroom. That's about $400, $500 a month. So we, as a government, need to take uh, steps to secure mortgages, for people so that they could spend that 500 and build a house, their own house, and they can have dignity and they can have hope and they could be a part of the Belizean dream.
2: You're really spot on with that, that it really comes down to access, opportunity and resources. Um, how do you address some of your critics who think that you don't have enough experience in government or that you've, been, that you've risen to power because of your father?
0: Well, I definitely don't want to be experienced in self-enrichment and corruption and unfortunately most of the conventional traditional politicians are far too experienced if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. at participating mcdonald's in self-enrichment corruption and, and not serving the people, but serving their own self-interest and cronyism and nepotism. And so definitely I appreciate being an outsider. I appreciate being self-made. My father was not in the United States when I was selling millions and millions and millions of albums. My father had nothing to do with me winning uh, Grammy Awards. And my father has nothing to do with my status in the United States, which to this day is still on icon, legendary Level and the people in Belize know that very well, which is why I've risen uh, to the leadership position. Is because you know I have my own resources, I've, I've done so much for Belize as far as tourism, and I've used my relationships in the United States for the benefit of Belize things that my father could have never done. Well, it's not about him, and it's not about me, to be quite frank. It really is about the Belizean people, and I've been doing this my entire life. I've been doing this as a hip hop musician. I've been speaking about the truth and I've been crying out to the powers that be to change the reality. You don't like me talking about cocaine. You don't like me talking about murder and crime, then change the reality in which we live. And now as a legislator... I can change that reality. So it has nothing to do with my dad. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Belizean people. And this has always been my calling. I have always been doing this. And why not do it on the highest level? Because the last thing the Belizean people need is another conventional politician, with a PhD in corruption and self-enrichment, cronyism, and nepotism.
2: The Honorable Dr. Moses Shine Barrow, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about your journey and also your future plans of leadership, and we'll be right back.
7: Are you sure you're not looking down on them because they're a black law firm? Yup. We are harder on ourselves than white people sometimes because we've been conditioned not to trust each other with my drink. Did you steal my drink? Kelly, the bartender took it.
2: The ladies of insecure breaking down the distrust in the culture welcome back tonight. We explore the concept of black to business Throwing our dollars into black establishments and why statistically some say black people are more inclined to support non-black Establishments to hash it all out. I recently spoke with the CEO of black upstart Kezia M. Williams Founder and CEO of village market ATL Lakeisha Hallman and serial entrepreneurs seven buffins (laughs) Ladies, thank you for joining us. Let's get right into it. A Black Star Project study calculates that a dollar circulates six hours in the black community, 20 days in the Jewish community, 30 days in the Asian community, and 17 days in predominantly white communities, according to other studies. In other words, when a black person earns a dollar, it is typically not spent with a black-owned business. Let's expand on that. Recycling the dollar within the community, what does that mean and what can be done to improve that recycling?
6: It's shifting our consciousness to not buying, back, uh, buying black as a reaction, but shifting our consciousness to the lifestyle. Find a black-owned company that you can replace with what you're using every single day and that's how it becomes continuous and not just a reaction. Why are black
2: consumers not spending their money with black businesses? Lakeisha?
6: You know, I would challenge that Black people are spending money with Black businesses. Now, the issue is, do we know exactly where Black businesses are located in our communities? Mm -hmm. Most of us shop from Main Street areas, whatever those high foot traffic areas. The commercial rents are surging, and so many Black businesses, especially in startup phase, cannot afford those rents.
10: I do believe that Black people are buying from Black-owned businesses, but the question becomes, how often? I think that, especially during a pandemic, when we witnessed the public execution of individuals like George Floyd, people responded by buying black, hashtag black owned. (laughs) However, people were buying in response to a protest. The question becomes, have we made buying black habitual, right? Do we wake up every single day and ask ourselves, when we need something or want something, can a black owned business provide that product or service?
2: Kezia is just talking about that uptick during the summer of protests. As a business owner, you know, what did you notice during that time with that moment in time and how it became a movement? It's just kind of like a
8: family reunion. You can either decide to see your family all the time, you can decide to spend that time together whenever it's needed, or you just come together in like trauma, or you come together once a year. And I think as black-owned businesses, as business owners, as black people in general, we can decide to come together on more than just one occasion or when there's something necessary for us to come together, but us to find value. And I think like you just said about, are we shopping black business? I think it's not just about where we're located and the value, but also, are we actually recycling the black dollar? Are we deciding that we have value within each other to say, I wanna shop black businesses forever, or I just wanna shop your business in general because it's amazing.
2: Are there any unconscious
6: biases? Of course, there's always unconscious biases. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there is also a lack of grace and respect that we give to black-owned businesses, especially now with this uh, decline in supply, Black businesses and businesses across the country are just having a hard time meeting those shipping needs, but that's not essential to Black businesses, that's everybody. But what happens with Black businesses in our community, sometimes the grace is not extended. The same grace that we would give to any other major company. As soon as our our shipment is late, it's a huge pushback. And so the unbiased consciousness is there, but also the lack of grace.
10: Some of us went out on the streets, got on social media. We got mad at Starbucks for the fiasco that happened a year ago. Then a week later, we had a Starbucks cup in our hand. H&M, Coolest Monkey in the Jungle. We protested out for three or four weeks. The next day, we was in there trying to find the next club gear to go out with our girlfriends. The same grace that you extend for those big businesses need to be the same amount of grace that you extend to Black-owned businesses.
2: Is the unconscious bias against our own?
8: I think what exactly what you just said is the word is grace. When we shop Black on, you say, oh, it's because it's a Black-owned business. This is why I don't shop Black-owned business. And you place these unrealistic expectations on on top of black business, when you're already having to learn enough, you're already having a lot of trial and error, you're already operating off of the things that are wanted and unwanted that you have to learn because it's not like every black household that you go in, there's business owners. We just didn't necessarily have the opportunity. So now that we get the opportunity, you have these unrealistic expectations and that's why you get to what she was saying about us not continually shopping and it becoming a habit because now you're saying, oh, don't shop here, it took three extra business days. If you go into a furniture store, they'll say it's because of COVID and you'll say, okay. Mm. But if you shop a black-owned business, it's no longer you get that same amount of grace. It's automatically, oh, it's because you're black. You're a black-owned business and that's exactly why.
2: So it becomes more so the identity of the business owner when things go south. Correct versus oh this is the business yeah
10: And and i want to interject here because i think what both women said are spot on right we have amazon who has the capacity to deliver a product in two and a half minutes black owned business takes three to five days and all of a sudden they're taking a long time black owned business is not amazon There are 2.56 million Black entrepreneurs, but only 109,000 of them are actual employers. That means 2 million of them are going to work nine to five and coming home to run their business, to really build their dream. And so the capacity for them to compete against Amazon that has thousands of employees across the country, to compare them to that is unrealistic. The other thing that I would say for Black entrepreneurs, I think we need to get intentional about providing the products and services that Black people buy. Folks normally say that Black people's over $1 trillion worth of buying power is actually power. But it's not powerful if we're not spending that making Black-owned businesses rich.
8: I personally don't say, you know, shop my business because I'm a Black-owned business. I like to add value to other people. And you're able to have these opportunities to give other black people Mm. opportunities. So then you get to be able to see, hey, it's no longer a crab in a barrel type of mentality in the black community. It's the people being able to show value and actually want to be able to help one another without holding back on the secrets because you want to be able to show, hey, I found out what to do with money. I have a black owned business and now I'm going out and like she said, protesting the brands and then going and shopping it because that's where we're showing the value is at. you have money if you wear this brand or if you have this. I don't think it's just the community that gets the opportunity to get it right. I think as first, as entrepreneurs, as people, as black owned businesses, we get the opportunity to get it right first and we get the opportunity to then bring in the community and then show the community, this is where you can actually be placing your dollar so that black people can finally get the
6: place that they need to be in the world. The key word is community. Why Tulsa worked is because it was a community of black people that can only buy from black people. Mm. And so, and so you had dollars circulating months, within months, within months, within a community. And so how we rebuild that again is going back being in our communities, that's built by us. Our schools are funded by us. Our teachers and principals are teaching our kids. Our doctors are going back to our communities. That's the way that the dollar sticks and stays. So you're not only buying from one place. For entrepreneurs who feel that they cannot,
9: who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff.
6: get their start unless somebody invests in them first i say build your thing make sure that it's excellent and then you're going to have investors you're going to have communities that really want to support you one thing that i love about black upstart is their night school and so it's amazing when we provide techno assistance to each other and for each other, because we know fundamentally those biases that's in, in the application process. Even if it's in a charter, that is, you're supposed to think about diversity, that charter would think about how to make it diverse in brown, not diverse in black. If you do have
8: to end up getting a loan and everything else, you've already, like she said, place the value behind yourself and say, hey, my business is good, my company is good. So then everybody that shops our businesses of our consumers are black.
6: Black women continue to boost the economy during the pandemic. Um, But there are funding organizations such as Collab Capital based here in Atlanta, a $50 million fund and counting investing in black founders and ceos and there's a number i believe there's the harlem fund investing in in black entrepreneurs so i think we don't always have to go that traditional route Mm -hmm. there are people who are intentionally building and creating just for black people
2: how can we improve the quality of black businesses and increase black consumer support one thing that
8: i like to live by is just because somebody else is winning doesn't mean that i'm losing Mm -hmm. and i take that on in every aspect to in, in life, because it's so much to gain in your own lane. And if other people can take that aspect on of, hey, I'll be able to help you, girl, and it doesn't take away from me, and that's a lot of the reasons why we can't build as Black people is because it's a competition. And instead of competition, we need to start operating in completion.
10: We need to be intentional about making sure that our dollar stays in the same places, because when you buy from a Black-owned business, it's not just that transaction. Black-owned business, own black Business owners are more likely to create black jobs. They're more likely to give back to black philanthropic causes. So that means they nonprofit organizations. And most importantly, they're more likely to cultivate black wealth. That means that that transaction is touching two, three, four, five generations. And that's what makes it so important.
2: Seven, Kezia, Lakeisha, thank you all for chiming in on this important topic and coming in to the studio to have this important conversation. Ladies, thanks for being here. Up next, our Kennedy Rue is in Sin City with all the Grammy tea in our entertainment remix. That's up ahead.
1: What a
11: journey for this this film. Um, Since Sundance all the way until last
3: week.
2: What a night for Questlove, whose quest for gold was rounded out with his Grammy win one week after winning an Oscar for Summer of Soul. Welcome back. This year the Grammys celebrated black excellence and in the middle of it all was our Kennedy Rue. Hey Kennedy.
5: Hey Naima, I'm on the ground here in Las Vegas for the Grammys and the legendary news events that are dominating Sin City is what tops our entertainment remix.
11: I am just happy that the Black Music Collective exists and that we can celebrate our music and our role in popular music.
5: John Legend taking top honors at the pre-Grammy celebration of Black music. At the collective with friends like MC Light, Jimmy Allen, and Lettucey there to support. How does it feel to be a part of that celebration and be a part of something that's even bigger than yourself? Well it's one thing to honor our gifts
8: but it's also I think every human being on this planet to is to serve and John has done a wonderful job being of service
5: sweetie taking a little time to bask in her nominations and along the way dropping some Grammy tea about her rise
10: anyone who feels like they're giving up if you're working hard just know that it's going to pay
5: off keep your prayers with God because God got you baby Jordan in her Jordan yes, he Of course, this night before, Black-centric event was a precursor to a Grammy's carpet that was littered with Black excellence. Lucky, how do you feel being here?
1: I feel good, like music is bringing all of this together. It brought us together.
5: It not only brought us together, Black talent ruled the Grammys in many of the major categories. We. Are John Baptiste! John Baptiste picking up a total of five awards, including Album of the Year. This is amazing. This is a
4: lot, but it's a great thing. I'm, you know what's crazy? I'm sitting there, my grandfather's here with me. He's almost 90 years old. Wow, that's and you know, he came up through so much. He represented so much, he looked at me and he said, this is once in a lifetime.
5: Jasmine Sullivan not only picked up her feelings, but along the way, three Grammys. Silk Sonic's Leave the Door Open was named song and record of the year. Among the others still on the Grammy ride, Baby Keem's Family Ties featuring Kendrick Lamar won the Grammy for best rap performance, and Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA won the Grammy for Best Pop Duo group
6: performance. This industry is our music. Yeah. Like all around, when you look back in the day.
5: Ty Dolla Sign hit it on the head when talking about the black artist shaping not only our culture, but setting the tone across all genres, including country. Last night you talked to us about the intersection between hip hop and country. Mm -hmm.
4: I tell people the power of hip hop. Say Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, Kanye wears something. Mm -hmm. That's the trend. That's the fad. You know, that's the control. Um, You know, that's the power of hip-hop, how influential it is. To God be the glory.
5: It was just as glorious a night for CeCe Winans who picked up
6: three Grammys. It's always been an honor, but especially since BB and I experienced being honored here at one of them. uh, It was just awesome, the the love to be recognized and to see how far your music has come, how it has paved the way for so many others. On the heels of
5: C.C. Winans wins, the gospel legend was among the holy heavy hitters, giving props to the songwriters and performers of the genre at the BMI Trailblazer Awards in Nashville.
11: Trouble Troubled Awards has always been a staple in gospel music, uh, and I'm a gospel baby.
5: You don't have to have anyone else's approval. You don't have to, you know, humiliate or do anything to dishonor yourself to feel like you have to get, you know, to do what it is that you want to do. Truly, all it takes is for you to believe in yourself. That is quite the evolution for 24-year-old Azrael Clary, one of R. Kelly's accusers, now stepping out of his shadow and forging her own path.
3: Sounds of an
8: angel, you
5: Clary is due to release her new album in May and just released the new video for the first single, Sounds of an Angel. I wrote this song um, coming from a broken place, but I was no longer broken. So, it was really empowering for me to create that.
0: Yeah, not call me a see me in my
11: face, my oh,
5: Sound the alarm. MC Shan takes things to the bridge and takes it to the head in an all new Drink Champs Happy Hour, airing tonight on Revolt.
2: You just hooked me in with puff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Kennedy. When we come back, we shine a spotlight on our Revolutionary of the Week. Stick around.
11: We gonna unionize, we're not gonna quit our jobs anymore. You know, this is a prime example of, of what, what the power that people have when they come together. Yeah.
2: Talk about a brother shaking the foundations of labor. Welcome back. Chris Smalls is a former Amazon employee who made a big statement by fighting to unionize Amazon workers and his efforts paid off. That's why we're naming him our revolutionary of the week.
11: Workers are not safe. And um, until they do better, once again, Um, We're going to continue to organize.
2: Chris is the first to successfully organize a labor union in Amazon history.
11: I'm just a down-to-earth, cool guy. I think that's why a lot of people gravitate to me. The way my style is is definitely unique, and uh, I think uh, that also helped when it came to organizing uh, this warehouse.
2: Smalls created the Amazon Labor Union, also known as ALU, after being fired in March of 2020. He organized a walkout in protest of the working conditions at the Staten Island New York warehouse.
11: The ALU is necessary because without it, uh, there's no job security. Amazon fires at a turnover rate of 150%. We're losing hundreds of black and brown workers every single week to this company. It's a system that they design because people come short term, and they're replaced by entry level so their wages remain the same there's no real pay increase there's no no real promotion opportunities
2: amazon senior vice president and general counsel David zapolsky called smalls not smart or articulate in a meeting with Jeff Bezos according to a leaked memo obtained by vice news
11: when I heard that um, you know the top general counsel of Amazon called me not smart or articulate um, I definitely was disgusted by that the fact that that's a uh, Something in the black community, especially as a black man, they try to stigmatize us with that.
2: But those words did not stop the former Amazon employee from fighting back against the retail giant. It only added more fuel to his fire.
11: Knowing that Jeff Bezos himself, at the time, being the richest man in the world, um, signed off on that, that smear campaign that they wanted to run on me, um, definitely motivated me to continue to advocate for workers' rights, especially when it uh, pertains to Amazon workers. So that's exactly what I continue to do. We want to thank Jeff Bezos for going to space because when he was up there, we were signing people yeah, up. we were down here, can't
2: As president of ALU, Chris Smalls continues to face off with one of the world's most valuable brands.
11: We need to hold the company accountable. Jeff Bezos needs to be held accountable. All the top executives need to be held accountable. Definitely uh, just the beginning for us. Uh, we already been contacted by over 50 builders nationwide. Uh, also several buildings overseas. So from that moment forward, we want to spread like wildfire and continue to grow. It's Amazon versus the people and the people have spoken. I don't want my children to grow up in a society where they are exploited and subjected to being fired or terminated just for speaking up like I was. So, you know, this is what I'm doing it for, for them. This is going to be the the, the catalyst for the revolution.
2: Congratulations and job well done, Chris. And that does it for us. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.